For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Yo, what is up, everyone? It is the Beast Brian London, Brandon O'Doy. We are the Real Ones Canes podcast crew coming at you again on a Friday. It is Miami and North Carolina tomorrow night, Chapel Hill, and uh, it's going to be a good one. But before we get to that, Brandon, we would be remiss if we didn't look back at one of the most interesting endings to a ball game I've ever seen. We obviously covered it on our post-game wrap from the stadium. That thing's gotten thousands of views on the YouTube page. Please go subscribe to the YouTube page, uh, Real Ones Canes Podcast, and download the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It's either going to be at Apple, Amazon, Spotify, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, you can get it. But Brandon, Miami, Georgia Tech, I'd like to never think about that game again, but um, it happened. It happened. Yeah, it happened. It's a part of the history of the University of Miami forever beast. And it's going to be one of those games that it, it was a where were you win type of game. We were right there. And I'm going to tell you, I was looking down at my computer. I was typing in Tyler Van Dyke's passing stats because I was, he'll never pass the ball again in this game. Miami's going to, you know, run this thing out. Um, and so I, um, I thought this thing was done. And then I look up and they were like, all of a sudden fumble. And um, Georgia Tech has the ball. That was the first of many surprises. And uh, it's kind of surreal, man. It's We've been talking about it for almost a week, but it, I, I was there and I still can't believe it. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, I've never seen anything like it. Just, I mean, we go from, right, like the decision not to kneel to a fumble to an instant replay that definitely showed that Don Chaney was down and that didn't, somehow get officiated on the field two uh two plays and georgia tech is in the end zone uh just that series of events i have never seen and i'm still reeling from it hurricanes nation is still reeling from it all the questions have been asked uh i don't think at this point we're going to get any different answers it's just something that happened i'm still emotional about it but just like the team we got to move on right it's it's the next yeah, got to press on next game mentality. And Miami's got a tough one, man. This is an undefeated North Carolina team. We got Drake May. He could be the second quarterback taken in the draft. Heisman contender. Now he's been, you know, hasn't been as great as he as he was in the past this season, year. Baby. I think he's got, what, eight touchdowns, four interceptions. But they're putting up a ton of points. They haven't scored less than 31 points this entire season. Their offense is a juggernaut. They get a receiver uh, that they didn't have, and their defense can get to the quarterback, and they're also ball hawkish with seven interceptions. This is a tough North Carolina team. It's a tough team, and it's a well-coached team. And you talk about Matt Brown, the pedigree that he's had at the University of North Carolina for many years, 
Um, you talk about some people on that offensive side of the ball. You know, they've got a new offensive coordinator over there, but they're still rolling and they still live by a couple of principles. Play sound football, run the ball when appropriate, rely on your Heisman candidate when you need to, playmakers, sound defense, and they don't try to wow you with fancy foolishness. They just get the job done. And that's what they've done. You talked about they've scored over 30 points in every game they play. Yeah, I laughed. I chuckled to myself because Miami had, uh, coming into the Georgia Tech game, done the exact same thing. And, and, and they and they barely got out of there with 23 points. And, and it's just one of those or 20 points or whatever the final score was. Um, it, at the end of the day, you, you, you just hope that Miami comes and looks like the team that they were in the first four games and not the – the team that they were in that last game. Now, listen, that Texas A&M win is looking better and better. Um, Texas A&M looks like a, a, a decently talented team, very sure. athletic and a lot of great players, um, similar to um, the status and the stature of players that you're going to find at North Carolina. So you feel like Miami at least can hold their own um, up front on both sides of the football. It's going to come down to – uh, to some of the schematics that we see on both sides of the football from both teams and who, what players decide to stand out against, uh, against these teams for each other. Um, you know, Miami did a decent job against Drake May last year. Can they repeat that with a different defensive coordinator? And can Miami find their offense, offensive whereabouts? you know, that they had up until the Georgia Tech game? Those are questions that need to be answered. Well, I, I won't name this this coach, but um, a coach from North Carolina, we talked, you know, I'm in the recruiting world, as you know, and I have a lot of relationships. We talked off, off offline, and he basically told me, he said Miami wasn't physical at all. He was like, we were just so taken aback as a staff by the lack of physicality uh, from this Miami football team. And that game did go down to the wire. Could have gone either way. It's kind of like that Texas A&M game last year. But if you think about it, Beast, last year, last week, Miami did everything they could to lose a football game. And it, and it started before not taking a knee. That's getting all the press. But Tyler Van Dyke can't throw three interceptions. I mean, that's just unforgivable to do. Don Chaney, if they're going to make the decision to run the ball and not take a knee, you cannot fumble the football. Even though you're down – you you got to have two hands on the football. You got to secure it to the ground, and you cannot. That's three. That's four takeaways, and it's hard to survive a four takeaway game. It's hard to survive a three takeaway game. Um, it's hard to survive a two takeaway game, and, and and yet they still were in a position to win very very late in that football game. And when you do those types of things, especially on the road, and, and, and not to mention all the takeaways, you've got that taking place probably one of the worst uh, official performances that I've ever seen in a football game. And I'm not even trying to be biased. These guys stunk up the place. This ACC ref crew was terrible. You know what I mean? You, when you look back at some of the things that they did and replay just makes them out to be. Now, the thing with replay that I don't care for, but I guess it's what you have to do in order to stop Pandora's box from being open, is that if you cannot tell based on the angles you are given, that something is indisputable, you can't overturn it. I, I watched the replay a million times. It was pretty indisputable that he did not, uh, that he was down. 
Um, I don't, I don't, I just don't know what other thing. I don't know ACB what else you could. ACB yeah, I don't know. Say otherwise, they, I don't they, unless your head referee is for, uh, from Atlanta, Georgia, where Georgia Tech is from. But uh, but I'm nothing against Atlanta. nothing I'm against from anyone from Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah, I, I'm from Atlanta, and the guy wasn't down. You know, um, it, it doesn't matter what city you're from. The guy was down. You know what I mean? There's it, no fumble. Just just bad. It's just a bad play call. You got to live with it. And uh, like you say, you give referees an opportunity to make plays, uh, change football games, and they'll do it every single time. So listen, Brandon and I have talked about. The Real Ones Canes podcast. And the one thing we agree on is getting you the best guests. And this week is no different. <laughs> when we come back on the other side, uh, a guy that coached on a Mario Cristobal staff out in Oregon, guy that's uh, a really talented assistant coach in college football making his way up, um, and a guy that's going to give us a lot of insight, Rod Chance, will join us on the other side. It's the Real Ones Canes podcast. Back after this. Welcome back to the Real Ones Canes podcast. I'm the Beast Brian London, joined by Brandon O'Doy. Follow us, follow us on all the socials at Real Ones Canes. Follow me at Miami Radio Beast. Follow Brandon at Brandon underscore O'Doy. And it is our honor and pleasure to be joined by an outstanding assistant coach, coached with Marriott in Oregon, coached in Colorado and Southern Utah and Vandy and Minnesota. He's been all over. But most importantly, he's a Fort Lauderdale boy. Went to St. Thomas Aquinas, so he knows South Florida real well. Rod Chance joins us on the show. And, Rod, thanks for uh, taking the time out, my man. Man, thank you guys for having me, man. Uh, big fan of what you guys have been doing, you know, since I met Brandon. And, you know, I got a little bit more time on my hands nowadays to kind of check you guys out. Yeah, so, you know, listen, the the game that happened last week, Miami Georgia Tech, every person in the history of mankind has weighed in on that whole decision just – Real quick, off the start, did you have any thoughts on on all of that stuff that what, that happened, that whole entire crazy game? Uh, to be honest, man, I think like usually every week I'm gonna select a few games that I'm definitely gonna watch and review for my own, you know, my own content. And that game necessarily wasn't one of them. You know, I think I turned the game on later in the evening. I think the score was like three to zero in yeah. the third quarter. And then, I, to be honest, I went to sleep. But I woke up to you know everything, you know, just in terms of my personal preparation and analyzing for my content to all of the questions about what happened. So I had the chance to, you know, see the play, you know, see what happened. And, you know, everybody can look back at, at a lot of things and and uh, point to one specific thing. But in football, there's no one specific play that loses, you know, the game. And even though some plays are more important than others, right, and that play probably was more important than maybe the first play of the game, you know, in terms of the, the magnitude of, of the results. But – there was probably 75 or 80 other plays that probably could have affected that game before it got, you know, to that point. So, you know, I get it, you know, from a fan's perspective, you know, uh, you know, the, the questioning, you know, the decision making. But at the same time, I know that any coach in America, you know, is going to be torn up to their gut if the game comes down and, and it's not going in your team's way. And, uh, you know, it's perceived to be through your own actions. So I know that's hard as a ball coach. I made winning and losing decisions before. And uh, sometimes those losing decisions, man, you turn your phone off and you just got to kind of waddle in it, you know, and kind of prepare yourself and surround yourself with the people that love you. So, you know, obviously it was a tough situation. Nobody wanted that outcome. But obviously if he keeps two hands on the football or the ball ever comes out or the referee, you know, makes the, the proper call in most people's opinion, you know, we're not having this conversation. 
So it's unfortunate, you know, just for, for the players on both, you know, on both scenarios. It's unfortunate for the running back, you know, had a really good game. You know, it's unfortunate for, you know, the offense was going out there to close it. So, so many people, you know, just being on the, on the outside looking in on it, you know, as a coach, you know, not a fan. That's a tough predicament, you know what I mean, to be in a tough situation to kind of lay in. And the only thing you do is strap your boots up and get ready and play a game again. Unfortunately, you know, it's not like college basketball where you get to play two or three days later. You know, you got to soak in it for a good six days before you get an opportunity to get the nasty taste out of your mouth. Hey, Rod, let me ask you this question. So in the in the final sequence, obviously Georgia Tech got the ball back and went down the field and, and scored. And just hypothetically speaking, uh, you know, what's going on in a defensive staff's mind? You know, you have you have the defense out there. Do you want to call timeout to set things up or – do you want to not call a timeout and 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 hope that your guys um, are are athletic enough and and smart enough to make the right play and also um, maybe not give the offense any more time than they need? They didn't have any timeout, so if you call timeout now, they can now they can set some things up. Just what's going on as far as on the headsets with the defensive staff in those late game situations? What's the conversations like? That's a, that's a good question. Um, everybody practices and prepares in those in-the-game scenarios, you know, week after week. And um, just from a defensive perspective and a defensive staff that I've been a part of, you know, just being a secondary guy, you know, our understanding was how many plays do they have, where do they start to feel, okay? And when do we need to start playing tight coverage? And also, how close do they need to be to complete, you know, a Hail Mary throw? So it was always an opportunity to kind of figure out, hey, is this quarterback, can he throw it 50 yards? Can he throw it 55 yards? You know, what's the launch point going to be in terms of that? So those are always scenarios just from a coverage perspective, you know, that I've always been in. But in those scenarios where you know it's going to go down to the wire, they don't have a timeout, but you do. I think the most important thing to do is to take care of your team. You know, make sure you get a line. Uh, maybe the guys need a breath of fresh. Uh, uh, maybe the guys need a breath. Maybe the guys need some water. You know, it's an opportunity to, 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 to refocus them. However, just looking at that scenario, you know, from the outside looking in, it was two plays. Usually what happens, everybody goes over the scenarios right before the defense takes the field after that turnover. So I'm pretty sure, you know, most teams and this team probably was the same way. You have a sideline huddle, you go over the scenario. Hey, man, look, it's 36 seconds or whatever the case was, you know, the other night. Hey, they got one, they got no timeout. Hey, let's keep them in bounds. You know, you're kind of going over the scenario right then to kind of refresh their minds. Even though you do practice it every week, but these are not professionals, you know, these are amateurs. So you still have to remind them, you know what I mean, a little bit of those things. So that's the process from a defensive perspective. And from a coverage standpoint, it's like the it's the it's the fine line between do I want to play tight coverage, you know, which may allow the ball to get over my head, or you know, do I want to play off and soft? Right and get them in a comfortable position where the grass becomes shorter. So sometimes people have a, 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 a philosophy where, okay, I'm not going to give up anything deep. I'm going to let them get closer into the red zone where it's harder to complete passes because there's a lack of vertical grass and all the throws have to happen horizontally and that heats up your pass rush a lot faster. So usually that's been the mentality of teams that I've been to when you only got a couple plays. Obviously you want to keep them from getting down that close, but if you're telling me if I got them on a plus 40 rather than having them on a plus 20, I want them on a plus 20 because there's less time and less grass to defend. Yeah, that's that's a real good breakdown. I hadn't even thought of half of the stuff you, you just brought up, and which is why you're you know an assistant coach and I'm not. Uh, but uh, let me ask you this question. So obviously, <laughs> l- listen, we, all, we always forget these kids are still kids, right? You know, despite everything – they're still growing up, they're still maturing, they're still learning. Play like that happens. Big play happens over your head. You get beat. You're a defensive back. What are you as a coach, how are you counseling them to, to put that behind them, to have that 
to have that 24-hour rule of, hey, you can, you can be down for 24 hours, but we got to go get ready for the next game. You got to put that behind you. How do you, how do you do that as a coach? I think, you know, there's a lot of legwork got to be done before you get to that point. You know, I think it's all about the relationships, you know, in your room and how you handle each of those relationships. All players are different. You know, you can't coach them all the same. Back in the day where you can just, you know, rip everybody's backside, you know, and everybody's going to be okay with it and respond to it. So I think those opportunities of building relationships in the offseason, you know, building relationships during the week, you know, having them over to your house, that allows you to have a more intimate relationship with your player that when there are wins and losses, you can have some real conversation with them. But I think in those moments, you getting on their backside after just giving up a play to potentially lose the game, you know, that's not going to help. I think the biggest thing you can do is love them up right there and try to get them to move on. You know, because right now everybody's emotional. You know, a lot of things, everything that could go wrong went wrong in a short period of time. And the one thing you don't want to do is add a little gasoline to the fire when guys are already emotional. You know, we want to be passionate, not emotional in our think thought process and how we react and how we go about our business. So I think at that point, you just love the guy up. Hey, we got to respond. Keep your head up. Right. We've got a lot of football games to play because uh, when you look at Miami scenario, you know, I took a look at it, you know, a little bit more knowing that I was coming on with you guys. But I think it's seven games remaining. OK, four of those games against big time teams. Right. You got North Carolina. You got Clemson. OK, you got Louisville's playing really good ball right now. Yeah. You know, so you still got some games. Right. That can get yourself back into it. Right. But you can't let one game beat you twice. Right. And let's just be honest. Nothing against any other teams. But, you know, the North Carolina State game, the Virginia game, those should all be winnable games for Miami. So, you know, the, the, the sky isn't falling, you know, and I think as a coaching staff, that's got to be your message to them, you know, and, and be able to show that picture to them. Yes, this is a moment that happened to us. It's a comma. It's not a period. You know, we still control our own destiny if we go out here and handle business and put ourselves in position. You know, as fans, we can talk about that, you know, position to go into a playoff game. But for them, they just got to take care of one game at a time. So there's one blemish. They've only played one conference game. So it's a lot of stuff to play for, right? We just got to be able to get over this emotional hump, right, which hopefully they've already done by getting moving on to the next opponent. One thing I had a question about, Coach. So all of this has transpired, right? And you got to get a team ready to go on the road at North Carolina. You got to get everybody's head right. This is a good defense. Is there anything that you um, can pull? Because Miami – they were playing pretty good defense, especially on the back end, particularly what you're you know, accustomed to, to coaching. You know, Haynes King only had 74 yards passing before the last series. You know what I mean? What were they doing right? And then how can you take that and build on it in such a way where now all of a sudden it's like, yeah, we know what the outcome happened, but let's focus on what happened. They essentially shut Georgia Tech down, you know, if, if you take away that last drive. And I think uh, for a coach, that's your challenge as a job, you know, to kind of show them the trees through the forest, right? To show them that there is light at the end of the tunnel and show them different scenarios. And I'll give you a, a short, quick example if I could. Um, in 2016, I was a defense coordinator at Southern Utah University. We were playing Weber State, in-state rival. And at that point in the FCS, we were in the Big Sky Conference. If you made seven wins in your conference, you probably was going to get into the playoffs, right? So we played. We were dominating Weber State for the most majority of the game. And in five minutes and 42 seconds left in the fourth quarter, everything that bad that could, could happen, happened. Okay. And we lose the football game 37 to 36, probably one of the first FCS teams in the wild to win seven conference games. Okay. And not go to the FCS playoffs. So sometimes those moments can be teachable moments for us all that off season. 
okay, our whole thing was 542, right? Everything we did was about those five minutes and 42 seconds that we felt we left an opportunity out there for our team, for our community, okay? And we did drills for five minutes and 42 seconds, right? We did exercises for five minutes and 42 seconds. Just little things, with little subtle reminders that, hey, look, we got to finish this thing, you know, that, that starting it isn't always good. You know, we got to make sure that we finish and we close it out. So I think finding little ways, little examples, maybe from different teams, right? It doesn't necessarily always have to be teams that you played, you know, uh, or you coach for. It can be teams that, that have done things that have been spectacular after, right. you know, heartbreaking efforts or heartbreaking losses, you know, that you can help the kids see the trees. Um, because most times in football and college football, more times than not, the games are lost more than they're won. You know, usually there's a, a mistake that happens that allows somebody to become wide open. You know, it's never, hey, this dude's just going to go out there and make a great play. So in that, you just got to keep the kids, you know, grounded and understand that mistakes happen. And this one blemish on the record is a comma, not a period, unless we make it so. Rod, you, uh, you coach with uh, under Mario at Oregon. Just can you take us a little bit, just what's it like to be on a Mario Cristobal staff? I think, uh, you know, everybody knows it comes with a reputation of its own. It's going to be hard working. You know what I mean? You're going to grind every, every bit of it. And, you know, you're going to do things as part of the process. You know, he come from good lineage in terms of his coaching resume. You know, I've come from similar lineage in terms of that. So it's just a workman's grind. And every day is a new day. And you're going to have to put your head down. It's not built for the faint of heart. You know, uh, some people, you know, just can't keep up with it. You know, so it's like it's not for everyone. You know, you just got to be in it. It's a, it's a, it's a constant beast of recruiting. Right. And building relationships and making sure you're doing the right thing. So, you know, just being a part of it, you know, on the, on the West Coast, you know, I can only imagine that, you know, the access that you do have to the players now, rather than them having to get on the plane seven and a half hours, you know, to get an opportunity to go see for at least for someone like myself and coach who's from South Florida. And we have influence it down that way. So I think it's all about the hard work, about the grind, you know, and understanding that the reward that you get for this challenge that you've accomplished is a new reward because uh, it starts right over whether you win the Pac-12 championship you know the next day we're right back in the office at six o'clock in the morning like nothing ever happened so I think getting in that mode and getting the right people in that mode you know that's pulling in that same direction you know that's what you can expect you know going in there you know it's not going to be for the faint of heart it's not for you to be chilling and relaxing you're going to maximize your potential as a coach and uh, coach does a good job of keeping the temperature you know what I mean and there to keep it a little hot to keep everybody on their toes. Coach, let me give you a chance. You're doing some great stuff on social media, on TikTok, Instagram, but breaking down some stuff, really, really doing a lot of teaching, which, which I love to see because no matter how many football games I've watched and covered, I still don't know a tenth of what you guys know that have coached in the game. But tell us about what you're doing on TikTok and Instagram and all that stuff. I think, uh, for one, man, I took this season off just some family reasons, you know, with my wife. Uh, just needed a deep breath for us both going through things medically. And uh, just I really wanted to find an opportunity to keep learning, keep growing, knowing that if I was not in the game, I may not have the same access in terms of the film uh, to see all 22. You know, I'd be relegated to, you know, the TV copies like, you know, everyone else is. So I started as just a way for me to kind of stay sharp, see what other teams are doing, you know, have an opportunity to, to recognize certain different coaches who are doing a good job that I probably not had an opportunity to do because, you know, when you're in it, you focus on your opponent so much, not necessarily what everybody else is doing. So, you know, what I've been doing is basically just taking different series based on what I see during the week. Um, there's never, you know, a common theme. You know, each week can be something different. Um, sometimes it's chess matches between coordinators. You know, sometimes explosive plays that went, went really well. And then sometimes it's just 
coverage breakdowns. Hey, this team was in cover four, and this is a cover four beater, and this is what happened. So my wife's actually been helping me with it, too, just to try to make it a little more elementary and learnable and likable for those who may not have been around football for their whole entire lives. So, you know, it's been something fun for me to stay in touch with, you know, stay in tap with the game. I've got coaches that have reached out for me to take a look at certain things that maybe, you know, just get a different perspective outside of their own building. So it's been a really good experience, but uh, no, take a look at the, uh, uh, go ahead, give it a follow, you know, kind of look for yourself, but it's a really detailed breakdown. We have highlights, point arrows, you know, talking about scenarios and situations because, you know, pop, uh, contrary to popular opinion, football coaches aren't just out there yelling at people all day. You know, it's a lot of data collection. You know, it's a lot of analyzation that goes into it. And then, you know, it's a teaching aspect of it as well. So I wanted to make sure that even though I wasn't physically in the building that, you know, my skill set and the work that I've done to get there, you know, doesn't necessarily, you know, begin to decrease. So it's been a lot of fun and it's keeping me active, keeping me on my toes and give me an opportunity to see some different ball. Coach Rod Chance, you can follow him on TikTok at press underscore up. And on Instagram at Press Up Media, but TikTok, man, is it's flowing at Press Underscore Up. Coach Chance, man, thank you so much for taking the time. We appreciate you. No, I appreciate you. Always a big fan of what you do. Appreciate you, Brandon. Beast, man, it was great to meet you. Y'all ain't gained a fan, man. I, I can tune in a little bit more going forward. Thanks so much, Coach. All right, we're going to take a break. We will uh, see if we can get a little prediction going for this North Carolina game. That's coming your way after this, the Real Ones Canes podcast. Welcome back to the Real Ones Canes podcast. Man, amazing guest in Rod Chance. It was a good get, Mr. O'Doy. He's a uh, man. He taught me some things right there. He taught me some yeah. things. No, uh, Coach Chance and I have been friends for several years. And, uh, you know, like I told you when we started this, I said, man, we got to be the big get pod because, you know, that's that's kind of information you can't get. You got a guy on Mario Cristobal's staff telling us, you know, he, offline, I wish we could talk about the stuff he talked to us about offline, but he said some great things on there. And we get the sensitivity of it. He's still a coach that's in this profession. And listen, that situation, that scenario is completely unideal. Um, and um, it, the big takeaway is how you have to move on from it, how coaches kind of deal with it, process it, teach it to kids. And we're going to see if they can do it this week. But remember, in the, in the way this sets up, Beast, and I've been saying this, I've been pretty consistent about this. I said we'll know who this team is after on the road at Cap Carolina. I've been saying that since day one. I, I, don't, I never anticipated that we were going to have a game like this. I'm looking at this Georgia Tech game as the season starts, and that's why you just never know what's going to happen. I'm like, ah, this is a sleepy, you know, noon kick game. You get in, you sneak out of there, and then you're fine. But um, never expected to end like that, never. Even a loss. I, but to lose like that. Yeah, no. So so the question is, is you know, and, and Coach talked about it, is do you let the game beat you twice? Um, now Miami, Miami has their hands full as it is going to Chapel Hill, but can they get themselves emotionally ready to play at Chapel Hill? Well, you have to, and this is where we're going to see the leadership of Mario Cristobal, Shannon Dawson, Lance Guidry, and every one of those, uh, members of that Miami hurricane coaching staff, and also the leadership internally, you know, they've been saying, Oh, this is a player led team. You know, this team is much closer than it's ever been. All that's going to be challenged. You know, we heard all that stuff 
you know, during the offseason, you know, we've got accountability. We're a player-led team. You know, we're together. We've worked harder than ever. Okay, now you've had – talk about adversity. Football helps you deal with that. Okay, you got some big-time adversity now. Everybody has publicly criticized what went on in this program last week, the decision not to take a knee. The longer I think about it, I think it's not just the knee. I think it's the knee. I think it's the fumble. I think it's the fact that TVD played like – um, just not a Heisman candidate, not someone who's trying to be, you know, an elite quarterback. I think he played terrible. He picked the worst game possible to do that. I think you had, you know, situations where, you know, you had three interceptions. And and, and so all these things culminating and maybe some bad game management, uh, probably the most worst game managed team. I mean, game, you know, maybe in recent college football memory. Um, and so it just it was just a perfect storm of events. Now, what this will turn this season into, you know, I, I have I have no idea. But, you know, I actually saw enough to want to want to be curious about what Ja'Curry Brown could give you in some sort of package. And, and all the people I've heard talk about this game, all the things I've seen, I've not heard. I think this game starts going south. When your senior quarterback, your, your your redshirt junior, whatever he's listed as, uh, starts having just really the game from hell. And if you remember and look back at that Middle Tennessee State game, that game started going left when Tyler Van Dyke threw a pick on the very first drive of the game. And that's how these bad games start for Miami. You're you're three nothing at the half, and it's like, come on, man, that this this can't be. It just can't be life with a guy that is supposed to be Heisman first round, you know, lured out of the portal by Saban in Alabama. Like it just, these are not attributes of a guy with that stature. It just, it's not supposed to be happening. Most of the time when Miami wins the coin toss, they defer to the second half. Most teams do. I say this week in Chapel Hill, you win the coin toss, you take the ball, you go down, you score and you would establish some confidence for your team, I think I think Miami's got to get out to an early lead in this one because if they start getting behind, if they let May go down and, and, and get a touchdown early, and then what if there's a turnover and things start spiraling out of control? If that starts happening, you know, who knows what happens in the, not only in this game but with this team this season. I think you got to establish some confidence very early to wipe out whatever happened last week and uh, get these kids some some positive momentum. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would do that. I, you always defer, in my opinion, but, hey, I know one thing, man. Somebody has got to step up and be a leader, and that's on both sides of the ball. If Cam Kitchens comes back fired up because he gave up the game-winning touchdown because he jumped on a route, uh, Tyler Van Dyke takes it upon himself and says, you know what? You know, that game's on me. I'm going to prove I am who they said I am. You know, I'm going to prove Brandon O'Doy wrong, that I'm not a system quarterback, that I'm a legit dude. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to keep looking at him with mean mugs, you know, in the post game. And, you know, just somebody has to take it personal and somebody has to say, you know, what? Because, I mean, as much as we want to hang the hat on Mario and the coaching staff, like the players go out there and play. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's those 11 guys on offense and those 11 guys on defense and the special teamers that make this thing go. So if you don't have those guys coming out and ready to fight in Chapel Hill, it's going to be a long day. But I will repeat this again. 
I would like to know what's going on with Ja'Curry Brown and Beast. I want to correct something uh, we talked about in the press box. Elijah Arroyo did not play last game. We talked about him being out there, but based on the reports, he didn't actually play. Okay. He didn't have a play. Got a number wrong. No, all good. But I bring that up to say Shannon Dawson said, you know, that they're going to, you you may, don't be surprised if you see more people cycling into the game this week, especially on offense. And I think that's one of the things that they're trying to do to help Tyler out. And they got to manage this guy because if you have Restrepo in the game and the more people watch films, like Coach said, we're going to look at tendencies, whatever. Everybody knows where the ball's going. Well, he likes to say, well, that's the guy that's getting open. No, we've been at the games, Tyler. He ain't the only guy getting open. He's the guy you look to first. We watch guys run open or guys who can be thrown open based on routes. And, you know, we're not even football guys. So I want to see what Brown has. I don't want this guy to hit the portal as he likely will. Um, and I'm just assuming because he's just, I mean, like, what's the plan for him if you're giving Emory, you know, all this time? He, I, he obviously, and, and see, that's the thing we haven't even talked about. We don't even get a backup quarter. We should see a backup quarterback in a game like that because that game should not be close. This is a Georgia Tech team that's reeling, all this other stuff. We didn't get a chance to develop kids. I don't know. I'm just – I'm rambling a little bit, but it's just because I'm kind of out on, you know, Mr. Van Dyke very respectfully. <laughs> I just don't want to see another game like that. And I own the road in Carolina. Just no, I, I can tell you uh... – I can tell you three interceptions at North Carolina, and they're ball hawks, uh, and you will have a very, very bad day. North Carolina favored by three and a half for the Miami Hurricanes, who are on the road Chapel Hill. Under the lights, once again, a 7.30 start, and uh, we look forward to this one, hopefully. Hopefully Miami can can pull this one out, and we can uh, we can move forward. Can I say this before we close? We yeah. miss Mark Fletcher. I never, I never thought we'd say this. We yeah, and he was he was running because I guarantee you, Mark Fletcher would have gotten that ball. Well, I don't think he. Okay, um, I'm I saying mean, I'm telling you because he's the tough back. He's the hard running back. I listen. I like Coach said seventy thousand things had to happen uh, for you to be in that situation where you need uh, you know to run out the clock to win against Georgia Tech. So I'm you not even going to bring it. Yeah, two hands on the ball. Okay, okay, okay. That's if we're going to run the ball, if we, if we can't be talked out of it, let's put two hands on the ball, young man. It'll be Miami, North Carolina. We will have the recap show for you. And, uh, oh, we can finally tell everyone, we are on the Believe Network. And uh, if you are listening to this right now, you probably don't notice a difference, but you're getting it through the Believe Network uh, feed. And we'll have more to tell you. Uh, at some point, they're going to put our mugs onto television, which is going to be very interesting. That I can tell you. We're working on a deal now. And uh, so we thank Nick and Carter and everyone from Believe for, uh, for uh, dealing with my 7 million questions, but also for giving us the opportunity. And it's going to be an exciting one. All right. We look forward to talking to you guys down the line. And we hope Miami can pull out one against North Carolina. For Brandon O'Doy on the Beast Brian London, it's the real ones, Kane's podcast.